All right, as the uh, baskets are going around, I want to uh, introduce you today. We're starting off this year uh, in which some of you might say the best way, and that is without me speaking. We have uh, a guest that's going to be here today. And so I want to introduce uh, Omar Yanez. Omar, you can come on up. And uh, I will tell you that uh, I've known Omar now for uh, several years, and, and the first time I went to Cusco, Peru was in 2013. We, we had, the first time we went as a church to Peru was in 2012, but we went to Cusco in 2013, and that's the fir first time I ever met Omar. And uh, one of the things that I love about, the, about having Omar here is that instead of just being able to hear a great message, you also get to see the messenger who is living out the message. And I think sometimes we can come to church and we can say, man, that, that was a great message that the preacher had, but can I really do that? Is that really something that God has called me to? And when we hear the stories of what God is doing through his people, that I think that can be the most powerful thing that we see even more than the message is the messenger. And so today, uh, I'm just so excited to, uh, for you to hear uh, the message uh, of Omar and his testimony. And I'll tell you that um, just a little bit uh, about Omar is he is uh, actually an Alabamian. He's from Alabama. Okay, he's been living in Alabama, but he's from Peru. That's where we met. Uh, and I think that Alabama, for some of us, is more of, a, we kind of see that as more foreign country than Peru for some of us. But uh, um, but I, I'm so excited for you to get to hear a little of his journey and also just understand that this relationship was formed just because when we go to Peru, our mentality there is we don't go to fix anything. We go there to form relationships and to see how uh, the people in Peru, how we can be a part of what they're already doing. And it's so exciting to also hear uh, when people in Peru have the same mentality of just let's, let's be a part of the kingdom. And so um, I was... I'm talking way too much, I know. As I, as I was thinking about this year, um, I actually had, had nothing planned for this, this for today. I didn't know what I was going to preach on. I had a conversation with Joey. And Omar uh, reached out, out of, uh, to me out of the blue, but I think this was God's uh, provision. As Omar reached out and said, hey, I'm coming through on the 5th, uh, and I would like to come to your church. And I said, hey, you want to preach? And, uh, and so this is just, to me, this is not just uh, something that... Uh, Omar wanted to do, I wanted, this is something that God put together. And so, uh, let me introduce to you, this is Omar Yanez. Thank you, Joe. Uh, uh, yes, I met uh, part of your church in a mission trip in Cusco. That was a long time ago. And I came to live here in the States for a couple years now. And it has been a blessing for me to come here and also to come to your church and meet new people of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and Joe asked me to basically preach and I was just kind of afraid. <laughs> uh, I, just, I, just got, I just graduated from seminary like in uh, May. So I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want to do this. Uh, but uh, he he can make it easier and say like I just give your testimony. I'm like ah yeah that's easy I can do that. <laughs> and uh, what I want to talk about today is about like how the truth set us free and how that particularly in my life how that happened. And I I want to mention just a little I want to say something that Martin Luther said. 
it's a, at the end of his, all of his trial, at the end of his fighting with the Catholic Roman Church and trying to figure out what was the word of God saying. And in, at the end of that, when he went to the council and they were telling him, hey, man, you have to say that whatever you wrote in those books, the 91 thesis, the 95 thesis, everything is not right. You were, you were wrong. Uh, and he said this, he said that, unless therefore I am convinced by the testimony of the scripture or by the clearly reasoning, unless I am persuaded by means of the passages I have quoted, and unless they thus render my conscience, my conscience bound by the word of God, I cannot and I will not retract. For it is unsafe for a Christian to speak against his conscience. He, here I stand. I can do not other. My God help me. Amen. Um, then that was the start of the Reformation, um, how the rest of the history happened. But one of the things that he, he, he was very uh, focus on was in the word of God and then we have that that every believer that what what well that's what we believe that the scripture alone is authoritative for the faith and practice of the Christian what what we call sola scriptura so if you're a believer today you believe in the Bible you believe that the Bible is true and whatever the Bible says is that's what you're going to do and that's how you're going to live. And when I was in the church, when I was a child, I, I didn't understand quite well that. And my, my father used to go to, like every morning, he used to come to my room, and he was reading to me the Bible, just telling me all these uh, histories of the Bible, and I was like, yeah, I want to sleep, because it's four in the morning. But he was coming every morning and just pouring, pouring, and pouring the word of God in my life. And then I grew up in the church. Then uh, we were living in Juliaca, which is a city close to Puno, where your church used to go on missions, or it's still going. And I was living there for a long time, like 10 years. And then we moved to Cusco, where uh, we live where I live most most of my life, and when I went to Cusco, I was I I was a teenager, so I started to have all these questions about like, do I have like, the things that my parents told me were true, they were really true or not? Why I'm going to church? Why I'm going all this stuff here? I don't like it doesn't make sense for me. So I started struggling with what I was taught when I was a child, and I have all these questions. And then I was part of a, a, a teenager group of my church, and also then I was becoming kind of the leadership, but I didn't understand this, these concepts, and I was just kind of like going to church but not understanding what I was doing. It was part, just part of my culture, of my life. And I was asking some of my friends too about these topics and they didn't know. And, but we were going to church, we were 
going to worship, we were doing all this stuff, even we were going to evangelize the streets and all that, but we didn't quite understand what was the word of God was saying. So there is a passage in uh, it's John 8, 31 to 32, that is where I'm going to base all that. It said, so Jesus said to his so Jesus said to the Jews who have believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I was telling you that I was having all these problems and I was struggling in my mind. I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't want to go to church anymore. I, I want to figure out first this, and then I will go. But because it doesn't make sense for me, I, maybe I am losing good stuff out there because I am at the church. Maybe I'm not, I, I can do something else. Maybe my life will have more meaning if I do some other stuff. But I didn't really understand what the Bible was saying. And everything that I was doing, it, Everything that I was doing, I was trying to be a really good person, you know. I was trying to do a lot of effort to be a good Christian. All these things, you don't have to lie, you don't have to do, uh, you don't have to murder, you don't have to do all this bad stuff. And I was like, yeah, I want to live the right way. But I was struggling so much with that. I was like, I, can, I cannot live like that. It's so hard. Um, I mean, that was just killing me. And I was like, that, this is not working. Just the church killing me. I, I cannot live like that. And then I left the church, decided to leave the church, uh, was doing other stuff, reading books, trying to figure out. And back then, I was already at the university. I was studying business. And I was doing all this stuff, and I was working with some ministries because I spoke English, and they wanted me to translate for them. And so I was doing all this work with ministries. And then I met a guy. Uh, he was from a missionary from, uh, he was from Florida. And he asked me, hey, man, do you want to share a, a house so we can be roommates and we can pay the rent? And I was like, yeah, sure. And we, we started living in the same house. And then we started to have this conversation about what we believe. And he started to, we were like, I was, I remember we were talking all, every night, and we were just in two different positions. And he, he asked me to listen a preacher from the States, actually from this area. And I was like, ah, I don't think so, I'm going to do other stuff. And then another friend, other missionary who came, asked me the same thing, and he asked me to listen to this preacher, and I was like, I don't want to listen to him. I, and then another guy told me the same thing. I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I started listening to this guy, and I was like, interesting. And he was talking about two things that just, just kind of give me a different perspective about how I was, how I was seeing Christianity. Um, one of the things that he said was, uh, we are like the flower in the desert, but today we're here and today we're gone. And I was like, I was like, yeah, he, that makes sense because I, I thought because I was young and I, I had all this energy and I have all these 
dreams. Uh, I was starting this business. I'm going to have all this money. I'm going to do all this stuff. So all of that was in my mind. And then I was like, suddenly I was like realizing that, man, I'm not going to be here forever. This is going to be over in time. And then the other thing that he said that was just give me another perspective also was that he said like all of those books that we read, all these people that we hear, every single one of them is people who is learning. They didn't figure out. They're trying to give their opinion. They're trying to tell you something, but they don't know everything. They're just trying to figure out. And most of, and we know most of the religions in the world say the same thing, just find the truth. Find the truth, it's out there, it's somewhere. Um, and this guy said like, but you know what? God knows everything. He's not learning. He already know everything, and, and you know what? He he gave us this book. He gave us his word, and that's all that we need to learn. That's all that we need to understand. It's everything there. You just have to go there and read it. And I was reading all these books, and I was just done reading the Bible that my parents told me to read it before. I was just like, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. So I'm reading the Bible. I got to this point where I understood how sinful I was. Like how, how God has created me and then I, will be, I was rebellious against him in my actions every day. Something that you already know. And when I understood, it was, it was like, I, I, was, I was telling people about that all the time, but it, it was not real for me. But then suddenly it became real for me. I was like, yeah, that is, yeah, that's my problem. That's what I am. I'm sinful. <laughs> I'm going to die one day. And, and God sent a savior to save me from all that. And that suddenly it makes sense for me. And then I, I read this passage, which is Ephesians 2, 8, 10, say like, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one might boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepare beforehand that we should walk in them. And for, for a moment, I understood that we were saved by grace, not by all I was doing before. Like, I was trying to be the good guy in the church. I was trying to be in all the, uh, all the service on time. I, I was doing all this stuff, and then suddenly it was like, that, that doesn't count. God saved me by grace. And that was like, people need to know that. I was at the university, so I was so excited about when I understood that, and I went to my school, and I started meeting these people and telling them about Christ, and telling them like, hey, you know what? We need to study the Bible, and we're going to do it together. Uh, I remember I, I get one of my friends, his name was uh, Jackson, 
and we studied the Bible. He, he was not a believer. Uh, we studied the Bible for a year, and no, two years, and then he was like, yeah, wow, yeah, that's true. Christ died for me, and I need him. I, I didn't ask him to, hey, do you want to receive Christ into your life? He was just coming and saying, like, I need that. And I was so excited about that when I understood that. And that, that word came to me and make, set me free of that, like, that desire to just own my own salvation, like, work for it. I was like, more like, it's just grace. He died for me. He, he saved me without doing anything. And that was, that was one of the things that just was free, peace for me, and excitement to preach the gospel to others. Because I understood, I understood what I was talking about now. And it was, it, it was such a good thing, and it is still today. I, I love to do evangelism and all that stuff. And then when I, when I became a believer, I was having a lot of troubles, like when I was 16 years old, um, I was going to school, uh, my classmates and even people from the church, uh, it was kind of like weird. I was very girly acting. And everybody was telling me that I was homosexual because I was acting like that. And then I was struggling with that for a while and I, I never told anybody about this. It was in my head all the time. I was saying, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, maybe yes. So I was struggling with that until one day I went to, uh, to translate a group. And then I was coming back. It was a trip of two hours. So I started traveling. And then I, I put my earphones and I was listening to a preacher. And he was talking about like how how, as a Christians, we don't let the society define us who we are. And how, in the Renaissance, uh, there was this emphasis a lot about uh, people. Like, people is important. People is super important, whatever they think, whatever they feel. So all of this art and all that stuff came out then. But the focus was so much on that. And he said, like, yeah, people is important. But God's more important because he created them. And he is the one who, who de defines who they are. And that's one of the things that when I understood that, like, God is the one who, who defines who I was. Not me, not what I f was feeling, not what society was telling me, but was God the one who was telling me who I was. And God was saying in Genesis 1, 27, he's saying that, so God created man in his own image. And the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So because I was taking this God, I was abiding in the word of God. I was saying, God, your word is true. Like the branches, when they, when they uh, are with the trunk, they can give fruits. I was understanding that this passage, like, it was just making me free again. Like, I was saying, like, I don't have to be thinking the, the way that the world was telling me to think. I need to think the way that God's telling me to think. And I need to believe his word. 
and I'm going to live in his world. And that was something that just was good. And I, all the time, I'm like, just, God, man, you're good. I don't have to suffer trying to figure out what's going on in this life because your word give me the life I need to live. Um, and the other thing was uh, fear and anxiety. And this is just recently. Uh, Proverbs said that the heart, uh, it's in 16.9, it said that the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord established his steps. This was uh, something that just happened like five years ago. Uh, I, was, I came to the States to talk about ministry that we were doing in Peru to different churches. And when I came, uh, I was visiting all these churches and one of the pastors asked me, hey Omar, do you wanna come to study to, to the States to study theology? And that was in my head for a while. I was really wanting to do that. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he said, you can come to the States and you can work for a church, plan a Hispanic church. And we will pay your school so you don't have to worry about that. I was, yeah. I was like, yeah, that sounds a good plan. So that was in my head for a while. And for a year, actually. And I was planning on that, thinking that, and I said, like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So I applied to the school, and I came here to the state to have an interview with the school, and they told me, you know what? Your English is not good enough, so you need to work on that. And I was like, man, that's going to take a while. <laughs> and it's still, I'm still working on it. <laughs> and then I was sad. I was just like, this is not going to work because I was planning to move that year and I was like, this is not going to work. It's going to be bad. So a friend invited me to go to visit him in Alabama, Birmingham. And he was working in this seminary uh, called Bison, a divinity school in the University of Sanford. And I went to visit him and he said like, and he asked me about the school, like how, how things are going. And he said, like, yeah, I, my English is not good, so I cannot do it. And, and he said, like, why you don't apply to Bison? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So I applied to Bison, and I was accepted. I'm like, wow. I, it, it looks like I'm going to Bison now. But then I was not working for the church here. So I was like, who's going to pay for the school now? And I was like, I don't know. I think this is not going to work. And it's going to stay in Cusco. And then one of my friends told me, like uh, my friend from Atlanta, he told me, hey, just come. We're going to figure out. I was like, oh, man, just come. I don't have any money. How am I going to come? And he said, he said, just come. Another friend from Texas said the same thing. Just come. We're going to figure out. So I came to the States. And I came to the seminary, I didn't have a house, I didn't have money, I didn't have a car. And a friends that I met a long time ago, they said, let's come to our house, you will live with us until we figure out your housing and food and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll come. I came to the States and 
I was there like a child. I used to have a company in Peru. I used to have a business agency, a travel agency, where I was telling people what to do, where to go, all of this leadership stuff. And suddenly I was in Birmingham, Alabama, without a car, I cannot move anywhere, waiting for my friends to come and take me wherever they want, uh, wherever they want to go, I was going. And didn't have money to pay the school. I was feeling really bad. I was feeling out of control. I was, I was just like feeling like a baby, saying like, I don't wanna live here, I don't wanna live like this way. And all of the things I was holding on, all the, yeah, I have a business, or have money, I didn't have it anymore. It was like praying every day, I start to pray every day then, and saying, God, what am I going to eat tomorrow? God, where am I going to live? God, do I'm going to finish school? I'm going to be just here six months? Because the, 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 my friends who helped me just helped me for that six months, and then after that, I'll have to figure out next semester. And God was, I was suffering, but God was providing every single day. I was crying, but God was still providing. And I was like suffering in vain, because if I knew that God would provide, if I was here, like if I can see me when I was there, if I can see me now today, I would be like, yeah, God did everything. I, I didn't have to suffer all this time, because I knew he would provide. But I didn't know then, because I didn't understand his word, I, I didn't believe in him really, that he will do all this provision for my life, and he will do all this stuff. And then I was in my second semester, and I was, just, I was going to go to the second semester, and I didn't have the money to pay for school again. I was like telling my friend, okay, I'm going back to Peru now. And then my friend called me and said like, hey man, how's, no, I went to the, to the university. <laughs> I told them I'm leaving, and they say, hey, wait, do you want to stay for the summer? We, we're going to give you a scholarship for that. I was like, okay, I can stay the summer too. So I stayed the summer, and they say, at the end of summer, I was, I'm going back. And then my friend from South Carolina called me and said, like, hey, man, well, how's school going? I told him, yeah, I don't have the money to pay for it. I'm going back. And he said, no, no, no wait. I'm going to pay half of it, and you just talk with school, and let, let, let's see what they say. And I talk with school, and they say, okay, we're going to give you another scholarship. I was like, oh, this is my second semester. <laughs> huh, interesting. And my friend told me, I, I will pay until you finish half of it. So you have to figure out the other half. And then that semester was ending, and I was like, God, I don't want to suffer again thinking about if you're going to provide for this other semester or not. Can you help me before I go to my mission trip? Because I don't want to be thinking that while I am in the mission field. Um, yeah, one week before I left to the mission trip, a friend invited me to a dinner with his father-in-law. And his father-in-law asked me, Hey, how's school? And I told him what was going on, and he said, like, oh, so that means paying half of it? 
I would pay half of it too, so you have to worry about it. So, and these two guys pay my school until I finish the seminary. And then I, was, I went free of that thinking to Peru, happy, then okay, I'm coming back, I'm going to finish seminary. And then after I come back next semester, uh, the school gave me a job, I am a missionary residency now in the school, and part of the job is they give me a house in the school, so I live in the school, I just work in the school, and God was all the time providing and giving me all of these things that I never thought I would have, and, and he was so faithful. And I was planning my ways, I was planning the things I will do, and then God suddenly has other plans for me that are good and are for his glory. I was like, yeah, wow, God, you're so good. Matthew 6, 3, 4 said, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, thanks God, I learned to not be anxious about tomorrow. It took me a while. It took me almost four years or five. Just done school now. But God is, whatever God said in his word, it's good. It's good for our lives. We just have to believe in him. It's not easy. I am a very slow learner. I don't learn fast. I, I know some of you guys are very smart and you get it and you believe in that, but I don't. I'm very slow. Talk me, I'm 38 years old. Talk me 30 years old to get there, to get all this. And I'm still struggling with it sometimes. But I remember what the Lord did and how faithful he was. Um, I want to read this psalm. I don't know if I still have time. Yeah. It said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He made me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restored my soul. He led me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have a good God. He saves us. He tells us who we are, and he will provide for us for all the things we want to do. Maybe it's not going to be the way you think. This year is coming, you have a lot of plans, you want to do a lot of stuff. Maybe it's not going to be the way you think, but it's going to be better. 
and it's going to be for his glory. Amen. I'm going to invite the band uh, to come on up. Um, you know, when we talk about being Christ followers, we intentionally talk about being a part of the family of God. If you think following Jesus is about being a good person, is about uh, doing good things, uh, then you are missing the point. It is about being a child of God. Now, our Father is good, so eventually we, we, we hopefully will look like Him and be good. Um, what excites me about hearing His story is we see a brother in Christ who came to the States with nothing, just faith, and we see that step of faith rewarded. And some of us, that might be a challenge, but I also love the fact that he had brothers in Christ all along the way who said, you can stay at my house. Hey, I can pay for this. And so as we think about what it means to be a fam part of the family of God, there are opportunities, whether it's us being called or whether it's us just seeing, you know what, I, maybe I need to be uh, more generous with uh, my home or just the opportunities and say yes to them. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to do something right now to continue in worship that Jesus taught us to do, and that is we're going to celebrate what we call uh, the Lord's Supper. Um, and this is something that um, the church has been doing for, for 2,000 years as a church family. We're going to have basically a symbolic meal together. And when Jesus taught us to celebrate in this way, he, he wanted us to do it together. And so... Um, if you are a, a part of a church family, if you are a part of this uh, body, or if you are just a Christ follower, you're invited to participate in this meal. And what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to uh, read the story of the, um, of the Lord's Supper, and then I'm going to say a prayer, and then you're going to have an opportunity just as you feel led to come up here, and you can take one piece of bread and one... Uh, and take a cup and you can just take it back to your seat and as the band plays and as we worship through song you can just have that moment to, to recognize that we're a part of the promises of God we're a part of the family of God because of Jesus Christ and so let me just read from 1st Corinthians chapter uh, 11 Paul says this he says for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so when you take the bread back to your seat, just remember as you eat it that Jesus Christ gave his body for you. In the same way, he took the cup and after supper saying, This is the new covenant, the new promise in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Every time that we celebrate this meal, we proclaim that Jesus Christ died on our behalf for our forgiveness and to reconcile us into the family of God. So I'm going to say a word of prayer now. And like I said, I know it can be awkward at first, but as you feel led, you'll just be able to come as a family, as friends and celebrate this meal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us a new way to experience you. 
There are so many people in this world who try to be good and try to do good things and make themselves feel as if somehow they are righteous or worthy of you. But you've shown us that you are so good, you are so holy, you are so righteous, that there's nothing we could do to be good enough for you. But despite that, you loved us. You sent your son to this world and he paid a price that we should have paid. He gave his life in place of ours as a sacrifice. And yet atoned and it paid for the seriousness of our sin. And you did all that simply so you could invite us to be a part of your family, not because we deserve it, but because you love us. So as we celebrate this meal, we do so as a celebration that we are united as one body in Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen.